You know what? We have one of my favorite guests. I think one of your favorite guests as well here for a week in IndyCar show. The man that we call Simon Paginot. But when I speak with his fellow countrymen, they refer to him as Simon. Nonetheless, we have our man fresh off a day of testing at Barber Motorsports Park in his number 22 beautiful Team Penske Chevy. How you doing this fine day, Simon Simon? Marshall, it's great to be uh, great to be on board. Uh, yeah, doing great, doing great. It's it's it was nice to be testing tomorrow. I'm I'm very happy. Uh, we got a uh, one under our belt. We don't get enough testing these days, so uh, when you get one, you soak it in. Going to say big thanks as always to Cooper Tires and the Justice Brothers and TorontoMotorsports.com for all they do for us. Got a bunch of questions, my friend, and we could. Probably do a two or three hour show if we got to all of them. We so could. Let, let's be We're efficient. Pretty good at talking. Well, yes, talking, driving. We have dog mm-hmm. questions. We have cuisine questions. Let's do something crazy. Start with a racing question. <laughs> and <laughs> we should, crazy, I should tell folks before we started recording, we covered a lot of topics, one including a new vehicle purchase of his. Uh, I mean, yeah, uh, we can talk about that later if you want, but uh, good Lord, I'm I'm envying your vehicle collection there. Uh, Mr. Pagano, let's open up with a question from Alexander Mack, who's at Alex Mack PR on the good old Twitters. He says, Simon, when you're at a test like you were at Barber this week, what is a team's typical checklist? He says, do you test different aero packages that you might bring to similar circuits, say a mid-Ohio or Road America? I know it's a bit of a general question, and you and I tend to dive into deeper stuff, but for those who don't know, when you show up at Barber and you're getting ready in the morning before you've put on your suit, your helmet, and climbing into the car, tell folks the general stuff you and your ace engineer Ben Bretzman and all the engineers at Penske are talking about and thinking about that they want to get accomplished because it's a pretty interesting approach to being at one track on one day. Yes, it's uh, well, it's a, it's a fantastic question actually. A lot of it I'd love to be able to answer, but a lot of it I have to keep confidential, especially after the season start. But um, you know, we don't get to talk much about what goes behind the scene uh and being a race car driver these days i think it's the job has changed a lot uh, it's a 24 7 job um obviously the to drive an indy car these days with no power steering the physical demands um just to complete a full day of testing 100 percent is it's just incredible so the fitness is taking you know right now it's a three hour uh on average a three hour day uh, workout um, then you obviously have to take care of your nutrition rest uh, and in all that um, you know you're obviously working on, on your driving technique your relationship with the engineer and the crew uh, very important and I, I, I'm talking about that because going into um, an event like we had at, at uh, Barber yesterday um, there's so much preparation uh, days and weeks and the driver obviously has his list. Uh, the engineers <laughs> obviously have, like you said, an aerodynamic list of things to try, uh, of things that have been testing in the wind tunnel that need to be correlated on the track. And then afterwards, we correlate that on the simulator to make sure the information that we have on the simulator work in real life, uh, which is a very important part because with less testing on track, you want to make sure 
everything you learn on simulator is true. So you can take it to the track and trust, uh, trust the hardware and the software. Uh, then you have obviously the engineer, engine engineers from uh, Pratt and Miller and Chevy uh, working on bringing us, bringing us a better drivability, better upshift, downshifts, um, and we're constantly trying to find better things for horsepower um, and integrate that with the car setup. Um, so <laughs> it's incredible uh, the work that goes into that. Uh, so we have a checklist on on the engine. Obviously, the mechanical setup of the car is, you know, uh, goes obviously from springs on the race car to dampers to uh, roll centers, uh, alignment, uh, obviously tire usage, uh, work with Firestone, all that, and obviously so many people involved. Um, and then you you got a the driver and the engineer, race engineer for me is Ben Bretman. Um, Obviously, Ben works with Dave Faustino, who's the race engineer on the 12, Jonathan Dugit on the three, and Gavin Ward on, on the two. Um, and these guys working together to build a plan. Uh, it goes, the nice thing at Tim Penske is that the drivers are fully involved in creating um, that uh, plan. It's a long answer, but it, uh, <laughs> there's a lot to it. And um, uh, a checklist uh, for the drivers, obviously, you know, have I, I've, have I been working on driving styles and things I want to try at this track, each corners? Uh, is there a different line to use to position the car better for what it's like? Um, you know, different, different uh, downshifting process, uh, slower, faster, uh, braking uh, application. Uh, you know, <laughs> there's so much to it. There's but, a lot. Uh, I could go about it all day with you, Marshall, as we love, but uh, there's a, a long checklist. Sometimes, honestly, we rarely have the time to go through everything, unfortunately. Boredom. Boredom is never found on a test day, or even if you have multiple test days planned, uh, there's always a list that is longer than you can get to. Maybe, Simon, if you could add one more level of insight on this uh, for our listeners, and that is the circuit-specific work versus multiple circuit work. So as, as mentioned here in the question uh, from Alexander, hey, are you at Barber trying things that you hope might also work at other tracks? I mean, it, this is something where unless we're talking maybe the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, where there's nothing else like it in the world, you know that when you're at Indy testing items, those are for Indy. Tell folks about yes. the, hey, we're at Barber, and we want to make sure that we kick butt at Barber and win Barber and have a great car here, but how far do you does a team go in terms of making all their efforts towards having a perfect Barber vehicle versus, hey, this might not be a perfect thing here, but we think it could help somewhere else. Let's put that on the test list. Absolutely. Um, you know, obviously, Barber is a lot of uh, elevations, um, a lot of uh, high-speed corners uh, with one airpin. Uh, so you obviously need the, – the, the funny thing in Barber is you could have a car that's extremely good in turn five, which is braking, throttle. So you need a very stable car braking and, and very strong traction to be fast in that section. But that doesn't mean it's going to work in the high-speed section where you need a car that rolls around the corner really well with a, a free rear end. Um, so it's always a combination. You're rarely going to be fully happy around Barber in every corners. Um, 
So you might learn something in turn five of Barber that you might use for the Indy Road course, for example, uh, which has more similar corners. Um, and when you do find something, um, you know, whether it's a softer rear spring or stiffer front spring and it works uh, on that corner, but it doesn't work in the long corners, then you take it and you put it in your toolbox and you know you can use it at uh, India Road Course Turn 1, for example, uh, you know, that that uh, that, uh, that sharp right-hander. So, yes, uh, there are things that can be used for other tracks that you do and sometimes it ends up being a lucky find. A lot of the find, the, a lot of the time in racing, there are a lot of lucky find like that. Um, and it's when you experience it that you're like, okay, as a driver, it's my job to tell the engineer, you know, I think we could use this for this track because of because of that corner. Some a lot of the time, Sebring, for example, testing. I use turn four uh, as an example of turn nine in uh, in Saint Pete, for example. Interesting. I love it. I love it. Uh, why don't we stay on the technical topic here for a moment? Uh, Will Velkoff at Willison thirty on Twitter asks about any technical changes that you're aware of coming to the cars in 2021 that fans might be able to spot with their own eyes or if there's nothing or if there's stuff they can't see because it's beneath the bodywork. There's not much different. Um, You'll notice if you have a really technical eye that teams are using different different wickers, um, gurney flap, I should say, um on the on the front wing um that means the teams are using different aero map that they've found in their different simulation program um and they think the car is going to work better for them uh, that way uh, you could see that um different treatment on front wings or rear wing uh, you could see also uh, indycar has been implementing um different levels of um, air duct for the drivers into the cockpit. Uh, as you could see in St. Petersburg, for example, I was using um, a top duct above the aero screen to bring air into the cockpit. The, it's been extremely hot in the cars and we've been far, trying to find ways to move the air. Um, and uh, that is something that uh, IndyCar is working on, for example, that you can see. Um, other than that, not much difference. Um, the cars are very similar to last year, and uh, you might see some differences in Indy with, again, um, uh, aerodynamics uh, changes from IndyCar to try to make the show the best we can. Amen to that. All right, we're gonna get we're gonna move on to a very serious topic here, so I hope you're ready for it. Uh, Ted Nesbit at Ted Nez NA. Standard question: Where's Norman? Uh, Jake <laughs> Ziller from Facebook. Hey Simon, how's your pooch? Norman doing these days? You should absolutely get him a matching fire suit. Have you ever uh, had him featured on one of your helmets? Let's go to some of the questions we got on your Twitter feed. Uh, Trusting in God's plan 2021 says two questions aside from winning Indy. What track would you love to win at? Uh, And what is Norman's favorite meal? Um, Has Norman ever been in a race car and how fast did you, were you aware that your damn dog might end up being more famous, popular than you, Mr. Uh, IndyCar champion and Indy 500 winner. I read that he's the number one dog in racing. So, um, <laughs> I mean, he was, he's the only dog that actually got to uh, Victory Lane um, in Indianapolis. So, 
You know, that's pretty cool. And actually, I have a really cool um, uh, portrait of him and, he, and me, uh, you know, yelling. He was barking. I was barking, too, um, after we just won Indy. And I've got a great painting from a friend on, on, on Twitter, Chuck, uh, made, uh, made me that portrait. And uh, I have it in my, my office. Uh, I'm staring at it right now. It's really cool. But anyways, yeah, uh, Norman is the superstar. And... Uh, you know, it's, a, it's, it's phenomenal. He has never talked, and people love him. I think that's what, your new thing, right? So when Elio like, won, he, he like climbed the in. fence. You, anytime you win, you got to bark. Anytime you're on pole <laughs> and they're taking photos, I need you to bark, okay? That could be your thing. Uh, that could be my thing for sure. They might take you away <laughs> uh, to, uh, for a, a psych evaluation as well. But, um, you know... Nothing bad That's there. The risk. Yeah. That's the risk. Norman, uh, it was just Norman's birthday. He just turned five. Uh, yes, uh, on the 22nd of February, which, yeah, isn't that funny? Um, yeah, 2.22.16 is when he was born. And um, I actually made him a little surprise with Haley. We decided Norman's obsessed with tennis balls. So what I did is, um, in accordance with Haley, um, I woke up early that day. Norman's not a, an early riser, and um, <laughs> he does sleep with us. And uh, I went to get um, a full basket full of tennis balls, big balls, small balls, medium balls. And I go back to the bedroom, and I threw all the balls on the bed around him, and he just went nuts. Uh, it was so fun to watch. But, uh, yeah, he's definitely very spoiled. Balls and nuts. The oh, yeah. Norman Pagano story. I <laughs> I love where there. we're going here. He was even <laughs> born on a day that matches your car number. I mean, is that cool? Want to talk about fate? And, he, and sixteen when I won the championship too. See, so really cool. He he was meant for you. Uh, <laughs> let's see where should we go next? Uh, you know, let's stay with uh, your Twitter feed, a gentleman you and I both agree truly one of the nicest people we have met in the sport. The fine man, ace reporter, who is Rene DeBoer, asks, what is the secret behind French restaurant quality and atmosphere at certain American racetracks? <laughs> uh, Rene. Rene is a great reporter. We, we ended up um, uh, becoming friends. Um, Rene speaks, he, he speaks perfect French. Surprised me on an interview he wanted to have with me the other day. I started speaking English to him. And he kept saying French words. I'm like, I don't want to be rude and, and keep speaking in English to him. And I'm like, I'm going to just throw a few words at him in French. And he kept responding. I'm like, wow, okay. He's got this. So uh, <laughs> that's very rare. You know, the French language is so difficult. I always feel like um, I don't want to put people through this. So <clears throat> anyways, um, <laughs> hmm. yeah it surprised me with that we did the whole interview in french um perfect french and but anyways he, we've had some uh french uh dinner at the racetrack i have uh, a french friend of mine who's been in the u.s for 40 years and uh michelle and his crew they come to the racetrack the camp and they make the best food and, and they want uh they want to they want me to to come to the campsite every time uh, to have dinner with them they want me i say wow. but i want to be there 
and we've become great friends. And Rene showed up and brought Mike Rockefeller. Um, and that's how Mike and I became good friends. Um, Marcel Fassler, um, you know, uh, Briscoe sometimes showed up, even Dixon. Uh, so, yeah, we've had some good nights. Uh, campsite, you can be, we can be fine uh, on sports car races. If you're ever looking for uh, Simon at a uh, sports car event, just follow your nose. You will uh, yeah. likely find him in the paddock somewhere. All right. I'm where good food is. Yes. I was a little bit kidding when I said let's switch to a, a serious topic. Now I'm actually serious. Let's go with our pal, Hrishi Deshpond. Mark Whittledge as well uh, asks similar things. Uh, Hrishi opens with a little bit of a tougher season for you last year. Definitely uh, trying to get to the top dog status among your Penske teammates again. Curious, is there anything you've looked back on in 2020 to say, oh, that might not have been as sharp as we wanted that you can change or address to make things sharper this year? Uh, That's a great question again. I went back through everything in 2020. I mean, everything. Uh, I'm not going to say any details because I don't want any other drivers to do that. Um, That would give them an edge, but I think I got the edge by doing it. Mm. Uh, I went back through everything. Uh, that's, that's my trait of character. I am someone that needs to understand. And, um, uh, if you were to talk to Ben Bretzman, I think he, uh, even noticed the dedication, uh, it took me more than a month to go through uh, every single details of the races. Um, you know, COVID really hurt me in a way because, uh, the COVID situation, because I'm someone that loves uh, to go to the race shop, talk to my engineer, talk to my crew, and, and feel the energy from everybody. Unfortunately, last year, I was not able to go to Team Penske, and everything was on Zoom. I struggled to adapt to that, and, and, and it didn't really um, didn't make us as strong as we were as a group. Um, just didn't have the connection that we used to have as a team. Um, and, and, and the less, less practice really didn't help us because the car changed a lot with the aero screen, uh, in a way that I didn't, didn't really like. And, uh, with no practice and no testing, we were not able to adjust the car to, to suit my style. So we have made big gains this winter, um, by understanding what it was. Uh, I think it's going to help everybody on the race team. Uh, we're seeing it as, as the test happened yesterday. Um, so I think there's a lot of positive out of a tough, uh, 2020 for us on the 22 car uh, for the entire team. Um, yeah. And also, you know, it taught me to adapt to situations and I think, uh, 2021 should be much better. It's an interesting observation, Simon. And I guess it doesn't surprise me so much. And I didn't receive what you just said as an excuse. I'm sure some will want to paint it as such, but some drivers, I mean, it's, it's a human condition. It's not a, a racing driver condition, but some folks are more interpersonal, conversational, look and feel and vibing and reacting off of those who are in front of them. The, the nuances of human interaction can exactly. really add things to our information and our understanding of things very informative through that close interpersonal reaction in ways that maybe for those who aren't that way and don't need that might have a negative effect. Uh, And so that, that's a, I know it's a non-specific answer. It's not like because we 
couldn't do that uh, the way that I wanted. Therefore, uh, we missed one-tenth of a second in this area at every track. I realize it's not a directly equitable thing, but it's a fascinating topic, I think, for folks to understand that you're a driver, it's a car, it's a machine. Why can't you get a million percent out of it at all times? It's people that make them perform. And if you're feeling there's a little bit lacking there, that can actually take a little bit away. There's there's, there's extracting a million out of it in one in many many different ways you know and, and my strength is to extract the best out of the environment the people around me and it prepares me to drive better and extract more out of my race car um, and i thrive i thrive by getting the little details right the technical aspect right and uh, feeling like everybody's on the same page um, that's the kind of athlete I am. Uh, some other drivers would just jump in and drive and they're fast and it's good. Well, I tell you what, I'll beat them. I'll, I'll, I will outwork them 100% and I will beat them, but there's a whole process I need to go through that, uh, uh they might not need to. Um, it's a different process, but it's been working for me. I think I've proved it. Um, yeah, it's just unfortunately last year I couldn't use my process. Let's go to, here's an interesting one, Galen Puccini from Facebook. Says, Simon, can't wait for the season to start going into this new year. What's your biggest fear? And also asks, what, yes, fear. Hmm. And what are you most excited about? I think, I think, I don't think I'm the only one, but I think I would be the only one to (laughs) acknowledge it. I think for any race car driver, your biggest fear is to not be competitive. I would hate that. Jeez. I'm thinking uh, more like the team putting spiders in your car before you climb in. Oh, but yeah, that that's yeah, that's another kind of fear. But I think the biggest fear is yeah, not being competitive. Uh, biggest um, achievement in the race car driver life is is to be you know to be the best. So um, I'm aiming for that. But yeah, biggest fear would be snakes. I hate snakes. I mean, terribly. <laughs> Again. It's like my biggest fear. I'd rather hit the wall at 200 miles an hour than having snakes around me. That's for sure. <laughs> Things to never say because now every driver. I know, and, and I've said to everybody around me, Marshall, and you will hear my passion. You've on told this. me the same. Anyone, anyone that will make a joke like that on me will not be around me ever again. <laughs> I will not talk to that person ever again. So now I've That's just simple. been given a new goal. Next time don't, I see Roger don't, Penske. Don't ever do that. Pen, I'm going to have <laughs> Roger talk to you and spring some snakes on you. And we'll see if that's true. I have a feeling mm, there's mm, one mm. exception to the rule. You might. I can't. That's when I can't speak no more, but. Mm-mm. <laughs> mm-mm. <laughs> Great question here from Kevin Perez Frederico. You might have seen that Jer Hildebrand was on the entry list for Pikes Peak. I and, heard. And he listed uh a Delara DW twelve as the as the vehicle. So Kevin asked Simon, as someone who's driven up Pikes Peak uh as well, uh what was that in the uh, minivan, wasn't it? The Yes. 600 horsepower minivan. minivan or whatever it was yes it was it was a badass minivan 
Uh, and he says, someone I still who's... want to add it to my collection someday. What? I know where it is. Oh, <laughs> oh that is. I know where it is. You got to make that happen. Uh, he says, yeah. as someone who's raced up Pikes Peak and driven, uh, obviously, a Delara IndyCar, says, curious about your thoughts. If you had to modify the DW12 to go up Pikes Peak, what are the kind of things you'd want to do to it? Well, if you think about it, if there is no rules, which there aren't any rules at Pikes Peak, you could do whatever you want to the vehicle. Um, there's a lot of things we can do to an IndyCar already to make it a lot quicker. I mean, I just think about the Borg Warner turbos. Um, they are not being pushed. <laughs> you know, so you can add a lot of pressure to the turbo. You will add considerable horsepower to that engine. So um, first off, you know, uh, the turbos, um, there's two of them. Uh, they can produce a lot more horsepower. Uh, if you think about that, obviously the engines, um, you know, they can also uh, do a lot of things on the engine to unleash them. Uh, the tires Firestone can bring uh, incredible tires, and I'm sure they will. Um, if it's them doing it, I'm sure it will. Um, you could you could put the, uh, you know, downforce that we used to have in 2016 <laughs> although that won't be as quick on the straightaway in the corners it would be amazing uh you could remove weight uh, you could remove a ton of weight on the car um you know obviously um every cars have to be the same weight so we we have to uh, put in weight to make sure nobody has an advantage um so you could remove that that would be a lot of lap time there's a lot of things you could do uh, yeah, but the, the tires to me would be the biggest thing. I mean, it's amazing what you can do with tires. Yeah. And, you know, the funny thing is, Marshall, that was the original goal uh, when I went up Pikes Peak was to um, do it with, with Honda at the time. It was to do the minivan, um, and then the sports car was in talks to go up with the sports car at the time, and then the IndyCar was the next goal. Really? Um, yeah, so uh, so it's interesting to see that JR is going to do it. I'm very excited to see it. Oh, that is, wow, that would have been amazing. Let's see, where else should we go from here? All right, this is a, a lovely family question. This comes from Jeff Zerneski at Jeff Zerneski on Twitter. Says, hope uh, my wife and I are doing well. Thank you, Jeff. He says, Simon, what was it like growing up in a family where you're working in the family's grocery store? He also asks, uh, do you have a favorite grocery store here in the U.S.? Uh, well, my favorite grocery store, uh, I wouldn't call it a grocery it's, I mean, it's not just because I'm sponsored, but I have to say Menards because it is an amazing store. I, actually, every time I go to Indy, there's, there's uh, the one in Avon. I go there every time to uh, you know get stuff for Norman. You can buy stuff with your dog there. Uh, I buy, I bought privacy screens last time I was there at the 500 so I could uh, do my cold bath outside my motor room without being seen it's seen in the paddock. <laughs> uh, yeah, cold bath uh, for recovery. Um, I, I just love the Minard store because you could really find everything you want. Uh, and it's high quality. I love, and you will understand that I'm not saying it just because it's my sponsor, but... Um, Obviously, I was raised in a family of uh, grocery store business, and um, I went to business school to run one someday, so I have, a, I have an eye for these things. But to me, the way that John sees um, the signage in the store and the height at which it puts the signage, so it, you know, it 
so it doesn't feel cramped, but you see everything. Um, and, and the way they do things at Minards to me um, is very enjoyable as a customer walking through a store, uh, which you don't see in other stores, and that's why it's my favorite. Well, I can tell you that I have been disappointed by Menard's offerings with fruit and vegetables. But yes, indeed, uh, they do have a number of good, fine things. And I say that knowing that my wife and I have actually ordered a couple of things from Menard's in recent months. So there are no Menard's out here on the West Coast. So what about grocery stores? Is there an American chain that you like? Uh, actually by our house in Cornelius here, we have a fresh market. Mm. Um, it's a small store, but, uh, they have produce from, uh, from everywhere. Uh, it's higher quality stuff. Um, do you judge, do you walk through the aisles and go, hmm, yes, hmm, absolutely. Well, yeah, cause I, I went to school for it, you know, so <laughs> I actually, I tend to judge, you know, there are some stores, um, I, okay. Publix. There are some stuff I, I don't understand the organization, and it drives me crazy. It drives me crazy. Uh, <laughs> I just don't get it. And uh, it's an argument I have with Amy, my wife, because she gets it. And I'm like, no, it's, this shouldn't be, the dressing shouldn't be there. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, <laughs> I want to see so, you. Yeah. Are, I need to speak to the manager. This makes no yeah, well, sense I, whatsoever. I, that's, that's kind of how I am. And, and, and you know, it, it drives me crazy because I've been raised a, in that environment so and also a different culture you have to remember um and, and the organization of a french grocery store where things are is a bit different also um so it's just you know culture culture as a as an impact i love it we're getting a deep dive on stuff it's we fun. never it's expected fun. this is fun it i like is. this let's see got a couple here that i really like ricky zagata asks simon ayrton senna talked about being so completely in the zone during moments of his career. Obviously, Monaco 1988 was the peak that we recall. He asked, has there ever been a moment in your long and storied career where you got deep into that same kind of zone and either strung together perfect laps uh, or a series of perfect laps while in that outer mm-hmm. space mind frame? Oh, Marshall and I have had a lot of talks about this. <laughs> we yes, have. it's, um, you know, Ayrton Senna has been my hero and my role model uh, as a driver forever. I think I'm in racing because of him. Um, you know, he attract me to, attracted me to the sport when I was four years old. Um, uh, and I, you know, I, I must say that I'm very fortunate that I've experienced uh, moments like he talked about uh, in incredible ways, you know, obviously for me, uh, the Indy 500 in its entirety was the best moment of my career uh, because I was able to sustain that for the entire race, which is amazing. Uh, at the beginning of my career, when I was 16, 17, I had brilliant, uh, moments of brilliance like that, but they would last a lap. Uh, or even sustaining a lap was difficult. Now, you know, I was able to sustain the whole Indy 500. I had a lap in Toronto in um, 2019 uh, when I got the pole and won the race. That was absolutely stunning, personally, um, being in that zone. Uh, another one in Toronto in uh, 2017 got the pole as well, I think. Uh, 
amazing. Um, and then uh, my 2016 lap uh, at Sonoma, uh, last race, last uh, pole, <clears throat> um, to close the championship was was also uh, one of those moments. So, you know, I, there's more races like that, more moments. Um, but yes, um, that moment to me is uh, is gold. Uh, there's nothing like it. It's it's what I seek for every races. So sometimes it's difficult to get it get to the zone, but when you do, it's 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 the best moment in life. And that's been a ongoing quest throughout your career, not just getting there, getting there regularly and developing the, I don't want to call them tricks, but developing the pathway to get there when needed and get there quickly. So instead of it being a rare occurrence, uh, something that again, I'm not saying it happens every race for you, but you continue to work to try and make it a regular part of your driving performances instead of an oddity. Absolutely. Another question it is, here. Uh, it is a tough thing to do. <laughs> and speaking of tough, I don't know why I've never asked this question because I've had it run through my head many times. Thankfully, the Cincy Buckeye asks on Twitter, asks, what is the, uh, the pop can, uh, tab on the top of your helmet for? And, uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, I don't know why I've never asked, but having seen it for so long, what does that represent? So, you know, Marshall, I'm, I'm very visual. Uh, I do a lot of imagery in my head, uh, visualization before driving. And that's basically <laughs> an imagery of me popping my brain, <laughs> unleashing the, the lion inside of me and, and the little dots, uh, little drops um, on the top is basically drops of my brain. And that's basically stop thinking, just start doing. Wow. Well, I assumed it was something like that. It's very abstract. Uh, but yes, hey, gotta love abstraction. All right. Where else are we going to go with the last couple of questions here? Here's one, maybe in this similar theme, Jordan Darwin. Says Simon, for you, does racing release more dopamine or adrenaline? He says, yeah. uh, a question for my son, uh, Carson, who rooted for you from the stands all race long at the Indy 500 in 2019. He also mentions his favorite gift from his Pagano theme birthday party later that year was a signed hula hoop on a regular day t-shirt <laughs> that is now mounted in a display that lives in his room. Says, uh, hoping we can be there to see you win again this year. So, What's being released instead of bubbles inside of that body of yours? That's interesting. Um, I don't think I would know. Um, Probably a mixture of both, but uh, to not make it boring, I'll say adrenaline because I love the word (laughs) and I love, you know, there are some things happening for sure in me that uh, when I'm in the zone, like we just talked about, um, and when the engine's pushing me and I'm going through the corner uh, in a perfect way, like, you know, like I'm trying to do every lap, but when it does happen to be in that zone, um, my breathing changes, the heart rate changes, um, and, um, and everything is, uh, is like, is, is different. It's a different world out there. And it's like everything that's difficult becomes easy. Um, some of it I think is adrenaline because when you have, some sort of uh, of fear, you know, in real life, you can, in real life, <laughs> you know, you can run faster than you've ever run before. Uh, 
on your chase by a snake, for example. Yeah. Uh, so I would, I would, I would, I would compare it to that moment. Uh, you know, that's probably adrenaline to me. Let's close with this. And again, man, this is all about the mind of Simon Pagano episode here. This comes <laughs> from our pal, Tim Falkowitz at T Wally F. Tim also puts together our questions for us. I think it's a great one to close hypothetical one for you says simon you're at barber you're in the fast six qualifying round and time is running out says your crew is making final changes bolting on sticker reds and you need to pick up two tents to get the pole says what's going through your mind in that scenario he also asks how does it turn out so you got to push you got to find two tents and that's not a small number yeah yeah (laughs) it's not (laughs) Uh, it's about hitting your marks right. It's about, uh, you know, pushing where others couldn't push. There are corners, you know, where well, you're in the fast six, you just got to go for it, man. At the end of the day, that's what's going on. You just got to go for it and, and pick up every hundreds you can pick up. Um, make sure you hit your marks on the upshifts. Make sure you never, you don't hit the, the, the hard limiter, which can be costly. Um, but then push it, just push it because there's nothing to lose at this point. So, you know, uh, everywhere you can really dare the devil, just do it. This is time to go for pole. Do you like input from Ben, your engineer on your teammates, for example, in that final stage, getting ready to roll out for again, fast six, we're going to either be on pole or not. Do you like input from him saying, hey, uh, Faustino just mentioned that Will tried this or did this and that was of benefit. Do you like any of that or do you like to keep things silent and kind of uh, no distractions? This is a great, great question uh, because that is a very pivotal moment um, at that point. Um, And I've had moments where I'm like, no, just, just, just don't tell me nothing. Just let me drive. I know what I better do. I I know I can pick up time here. I know I can roll a bit more speed through that corner. I know I can break a little deeper in that corner. Just please leave me. Um, I've had moments like that, and it worked. And I've had other moments, like in Sonoma, I had an input from um, lap in 16. I had input from one of our engineers that was on the side of the track uh, watching. And he had a camera. Um, just on his phone and he was able to uh, actually film Marco Andretti do something different. Mm. And uh, yeah. And uh, he sent it over um, and they told me, Hey, uh, Marco's doing this, picking up two tents. And it was a line that nobody's ever done before. And I went out there, I did it and I picked up two tents and, uh, and that was the key to pole position. Um, So, (laughs) you know, in that moment, um, but you got to remember, those are moments where, you know, we were in such role, on such a roll, the car was perfect for me. Everything was so tuned up perfect that I had the capacity to get out a little bit of my zone, focus on other things. And there are other times where <clears throat> everything is so much on the edge. You just got to be one with yourself and forget, uh, forget any other input and just extract the best out of everything that's going on in your mind in the race car. Uh, so there are different uh, mindset, I must say, and a lot of it is situational. Um, so yeah, and and I go back to racing being 
adapt to the situation. Fighting that thing between your ears, fighting the racetrack, fighting any doubts, uh, fighting any conditions, whether it's wind or, or yeah. uh, anything else that is adverse. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on here and going on at a rate of speed in most places that conspire against <laughs> everything. It's, it's one thing if, if all the conditions in being good at chess uh, could be applied to going the speed that you are uh, in qualifying at Barber elsewhere, it might not be too far removed from reality because there's so many things to consider and yet you can't be fully present for all of them. You can't be 100% awake and aware every millisecond as it's happening. Uh, you have to be thinking ahead and at times reacting before you get to a corner to have the car do what you want in that corner. Um, I don't know if we are ever, Simon, going to fully explain the insane nope. <laughs> world of being a professional race car driver and all the things that you have to do well to succeed. Um yeah, I guess that's it's why. I, yeah, I, it's, it's, an, just, it's a never-ending job, and, and you're constantly learning. And I think even the people that retire, even on their last race, is still learning something. It's amazing. And sometimes I beat myself up for not knowing this sooner. <laughs> uh, but it is the way it is. We all have our path, you know. It's just the way it is. Mr. Pagano, thank you, brother. It's been a little, little too long. My apologies for not having you on the show uh, sooner, but. I won't wait as long with uh, your next visit. Look forward to uh, hopefully getting to see you here sometime in the near future. Thanks to uh, all of our listeners, to Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, and TorontoMotorsports.com. We will speak to you next week. 